Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know, because that was me, before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. Last week, I talked about some ways to reframe being stuck at home and things that we can all do to improve our health and our lives during this time. One of those things was strengthening your relationships because so many of us say that we wish we had more time to spend with our significant others and with our families. And well, now we do. Joining me on the show today to give us a ton of creative ways and ideas on how to do this is Alicia Munoz. Alicia is a couples therapist. She's the author of No More Fighting and A Year of Us. And then her third book is actually coming out in June. Um, it's a book for couples as well. She has been helping people transform their relationships and marriages for over 13 years. Alicia, I am so excited to have you back on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Ina. So while it may seem easy, truly connecting may not always be so obvious. And so I would love to hear all of the tips that you can give us. So let's dive in. First, what about different conversations that we can have to help us better connect? Let's talk about that. Well, I think that given the state of the world right now, you know, the situation that all of us are going through in different ways at home with our families, um, you know, being quarantined or just kind of in, in some sort of lockdown mode, I think it's really important to talk about the impact of this, you know, on, on ourselves. And, you know, it may seem obvious to people that, oh, you just kind of keep, keep going and, and keep trying to cook and clean and shop and, you know, manage your life. But I think it's important to actually be very explicit about how this virus and everything that surrounds it is impacting you emotionally. And so, you know, I would say that getting clear that conversations like, you know, how are we coping with this virus? What feelings do we have about it? What feelings are underneath the ways that we're coping? You know, whether we're coping with being hyperproductive or, or getting busy, you know, or just reading the news all the time, scrambling through our belongings and, and emptying drawers and reorganizing <laughs> or whatever it is that we're doing. I've done that. Yeah, <laughs> me too. To just really kind of stop and, 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 Find a time with your partner to talk about those feelings. And as you find the time to talk about it, is there anything that you recommend in terms of prepping for that conversation? Well, making sure that you're rested, that you're calm, that you're fed, um, that, you know, any animals or children that are in the home are kind of tucked away or at least busy enough to give you that, that container that you're going to need with your partner to go a little bit deeper is important. So finding a way to kind of create a context where your nervous system can release and exhale and feel safe is a prerequisite to these conversations. 
Mm, yeah, that's so important. And then do you recommend scheduling that, you know, almost like, you know, I know a lot of people recommend scheduling a date night would it be like, okay, you know, seven o'clock tonight, do you want to have a conversation? Absolutely. I think that to, to think that you can just kind of on the fly spontaneously have these conversations is ambitious. I mean, it can happen. Um, at the same time, I think that coordinating and setting aside that time is also going to help soothe, you know, your nervous system in the sense of like, okay, we're going to be able to talk about this at, at seven o'clock or at nine o'clock, you know, when the kid, kid or kids are in bed and, and, um, and we're both, you know, just a little more exhaling from our day that that's going to set you up to have a more vulnerable conversation. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And I think there's also a little bit of a difference in terms of men and women, at least I think, I don't know if you agree with that. You know, I know that if my husband tries to have a conversation with me, I'll stop what I'm doing typically and mm-hmm. listen to him or talk to him. And, you know, if there's something going on for him or he needs me, but I think it doesn't always work the other way. You know, I found and. I'm generalizing, obviously, but, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. men in general tend to kind of be a little bit more single focused. So if they're watching TV and you try to talk to them, it's not that they don't want to, but they almost inadvertently zone you out because it's such a single focused thing, you know, or they are, you know, in the kitchen or they're doing some type of a chore, like they're focused on a one thing and it's hard for them sometimes to switch over. And I think that can be frustrating at times, you know, if you don't plan the conversation because you're like, I'm pouring my heart out here and telling you how I feel and mm. you're not paying attention, but it's because it may not be a good time for them or they're just doing something else. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, and um, obviously we don't have the time to talk about all the sort of gender and biological and societal and like, cultural differences between men and women. But I think think that in people's everyday lives, um, you know, particularly, I would say maybe in heterosexual relationships, although this can very much play out in same-sex relationships as well, you know, there's there's one partner that might be more kind of task-oriented um, or, you know, kind of single focus. And so being able to set that time and schedule that time will help that partner um, prepare and turn that focus onto you and onto the topic. And, you know, one thing you could also do if, if you're hoping to have it more of on the fly in the moment is to ask your partner, I don't know if you do this with your husband, Ina, but just to, to kind of say, hey, um, are you available to talk right now about something? And that might raise your partner's hackles a bit like, oh God, this is going to be a talk, you know, but but the point is asking if your partner is available, genuinely asking is one other way of approaching it because they can say, hey, you know, I'm not right now. I'm watching the show. I'm reading the news. I'm feeling stressed. Um, and then you can say, well, when do you think you might be available? Yeah, I think this is huge. And I don't do this enough. I think I need to do that more. But I remember learning that like one of the best questions for me would be to say, is this a good time? Mm-hmm. Mm. And he'll say no sometimes. And sometimes I'll feel a little offended. I'll go to me, it's not a good time. Anytime should be a good time <laughs> if I want to talk. But, you know, it doesn't always work that way. But it is like, I just, I found that to be so important. And I need to actually, you know, kind of note to self, remember that more because sometimes I don't. And then I get upset because I'm being, you know, tuned out, so to speak. Yes. Yes. I absolutely need to practice that more as well with my husband. And then on, you know, on the flip side, I think that if your partner asks you, is this a good time to talk? Um, you know, and, and even if they don't ask you, even if they just launch into 
um, you know, a conversation about, about COVID or how they're coping or how they're feeling, you have, have not only a right, but kind of a responsibility to the relationship to say, sweetheart, I, I hear you. I really want to know what you're feeling and thinking about this. I'm just not really available right now. And if I try to be available, it, it may not go well. So let's let's put this on hold for 30 minutes or for an hour or until this evening so that on the receiving end, the partner who is not available, it's their responsibility to really tune in and not just try to please their partner or kind of dial it in. Like, I'll just get this look like I'm listening on my face. Absolutely. So conversations about COVID-19 and how we're coping and, you know, what's going on is definitely one way to connect. But what are some other ideas of conversations that we can have to better connect that maybe people just don't think about off the top of their head? One of my favorite ways of connecting with my husband, and and you sort of need your partner's buy-in for this, is to just say, hey, past, present, or future. And that's kind of a question of kind of almost like a code question of like, where, where, where's your mind right now? And it's not intended as a criticism, it's an invitation. So saying to your partner, past, present, or future, when they're washing the dishes or wandering around the house or looking at their iPhone or just gazing off into space, it's a way of, of connecting because then they can respond to you I was in the past or I was in the future or I was in the present. And then if they feel like it, they can also share. I was having, uh, you know, some thoughts about my job or I was uh, remembering walking through the park before this all started to happen uh, and how pleasurable that was. Or they might say, I'm right here in the present. I'm tasting this coffee. I'm enjoying the flavor. So that's one one way of connecting is sort of with that question. I really like that because it doesn't necessarily get you really asking like very specific things, you know, because sometimes it could be like almost like priding a little bit, like, oh, what are you thinking about? What's happening? You know, Mm -hmm. why do you want to know? You know, this is, Mm -hmm. like you said, an invitation. That's a great idea. I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This, all of these would require a little bit of kind of coordinating with your partner and agreement and both of you collaborating, but another one that I I love that's more embodied and um, physical and less verbal and and, and mental is uh, syncing your breath with your partner. And this could be that you just come together, you know, hold hands, lean your forehead against your partner's forehead, and close your eyes and and just literally get maybe six or seven breaths where you're just breathing in sync sort of inhaling, exhaling, you know, feeling that physical connection. And even just the scent of your partner can be really soothing to, to just any anxiety or stress that might be in your body. And then once you've breathed six or seven times, you separate, you know, you maybe make eye contact, smile, and then move away and continue with your day. Mm. I remember doing something where uh, it was sort of similar, but not exactly where you breathe in and then your partner almost kind of exhales and then you almost breathe that in and then exhale and it kind of goes in circles. So it's not the same, but sort of similar. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, you know, I, there's no perfectly right, or there's no way that you have to do this. It's, it's more just this idea of connecting through touch and feeling that rhythm of both of your breath and tuning into your different senses and also slowing down. So both of you really slowing down and, and feeling each other's presence. You know, it's so easy to go about our days just like ships in the night um, on these parallel tracks where we really don't feel our partner. And this is a really kind of quick down and dirty kind of fast way to, to tap into your, your emotional connection with your partner without using words. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And it's so nice to have some of these different things just because, you know, words are one thing, but then we have all of these, you know, energetic and physical connections. And what about something like massage? Um, you know, cause yeah, can't go right to get a massage now, but we can, that's a great idea. That, that, that's not even one that was on my mind. I think I'm going to have to ask my husband to give me a massage tonight. My <laughs> <laughs> foot rub is always nice. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's something that um, I can see using that in the same way, you know, to slow down, to connect, to, to give and receive touch, uh, which has become so loaded in this day where touch is sort of in, in a lot of ways being associated with contagion or danger. Um, I think that that creating ways where, where you're touched and you're, and you're able to touch with your partner is uh, a gift and, and really important. Absolutely. What are some other ideas? Other ways are you can do check-ins. Um, check-ins are quick. How you doing? You know, um, what's up? And there are things you can just do in the morning when you wake up together, you know, turning toward each other, maybe, talking about a dream that you had or, um, you know, how you're feeling in that moment, how you slept. You can do them in the afternoon over lunch, you know, just kind of almost like a, a, a body scan, but including your feelings, your thoughts. Um, and then you can do them at the end of the day where you're kind of closing up your day with a, just a check-in. How, how was today for you? And I really like that idea of the check-in because then you have specific things like, okay, how I'm feeling, what's going on versus I think so many of us, myself included, often at the dinner table are like, how was your day? It was good, Mm. right? You know, and and sometimes what I find happens is, you know, I'll say, how was your day? And then I'll find myself basically just going through what I did. Well, today I talked to five patients and then I did some emails, but that's not really, you know, that's just recanting what I did in my day. That's not how I felt or what really happened or what was exciting or what I was grateful for, you know, and I think it's a little bit less connecting that way. So I think the check-ins done in that way is a great idea. Yeah. Well, I have a a colleague and um, couples therapist, and former supervisor, um, Carol Kramer, who told me about this question, what's it like being you today? And I thought that was a useful question versus the how was your day? Because what's it like being you today can kind of tap into that level of, you know, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, the mental, um, that kind of level of where your your inner world versus just your what you did. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm, I love that. And it's so interesting because it's literally just a few words mm. that we changed, right? What it's like being you versus how was your day? I mean, it sounds 
almost similar, but it's not. Mm-mm. And it does provoke a lot of that. I love that. Another, well, I have kind of two more ideas to offer you for connecting. One of them is, and they might be kind of similar, but one of them is appreciation. So being able to give each other appreciations and throughout the day in different ways. And I love this because, you know, John Gottman has done a lot of research on like the five to one rule that um, we need at least five kind of positive um, gestures, uh, feedback loops, um, you know, experiences with our partner to to counterbalance anything negative that's kind of coming into our system. So appreciation is really helped us to tip that balance from maybe a negative moment or a conflict or a challenging experience with our partner when we're stressed out uh, and to just bring in more gratitude and more appreciation. And you can do these, you know, even though you're in the house together, you could find a way that worked for you. I've I've had couples that like to have like an end table where they keep an appreciation journal and throughout the day, they'll just write down really brief appreciations of one another. Some people will have an appreciation jar in their kitchen and they'll with a pad of paper and a pen and they'll just jot down appreciations, fill the jar. And by the end of the day, you know, they might read each other their appreciations. Oh, that's so cute. Isn't it? (laughs) And then some people might just say at the end of the day, I mean, my husband and I, every day since we've known each other, um, a decade and a half, uh, we'll, we'll tell each other three things we appreciate about each other. Even if we're in a rupture or we're upset with one another or we're in a bad mood, we'll kind of find, you know, find the energy, find the strength to, to say, hey, I appreciate this about you today. And you guys do that at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. When we're lying in bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We used to do that too. And then I don't know what happened, but it kind of just fizzled out. I need to get back to that because that was very helpful. It yeah. felt, and I just want to say that, for you know everyone listening if you feel like this sounds weird or you're not used to it it does feel a little bit weird at first but it gets so much easier because i remember when scott and i started doing that you know we didn't talk in those kinds of ways you know and we're going back like 17 years now and so i remember saying like oh honey i really appreciate you taking out the garbage but like it's just not words i normally use like i could say hey thanks for taking out the garbage but it's just like kind of saying i appreciate it just sounded almost like a little bit foreign to me and i kind of had to like, as I was saying it, I just felt like, I don't know, I wanted to laugh or like, it just felt a little weird, you know? Mm-hmm. But what was interesting is after doing it, probably for maybe three or four days, it stopped feeling weird. And the really cool part was that, you know, he didn't necessarily talk to me in that way too, but he picked up on that. And then he started doing it even before we sort of had this agreement that we were going to do it. So mm-hmm. it's how it kind of rubs off on the other person in a positive way. Yeah, I love that. I, I I really hear that. You know, you sort of organically used it, and it might have felt initially a little bit awkward or forced, but your husband just picked up on that and was able to kind of meet you in that place of appreciation. Yeah. So I guess the last one I would want to share with you, actually, um, this is one that I haven't done for a while, but I I loved it when when we used to do it, and this is like a uh, it's a kind of a celebration. So um, I think of it as like a seated celebration as in sitting down and this would be a moment that one of you would be sitting in a chair and then your partner would with their hand kind of touching you would circle the chair 
and just tell you things that they appreciate and love and are grateful for about you. And these can be things that are just details from the day. Um, it can be things about your physical appearance. It can be things about your character, you know, just globally. It can be just like, you are the most amazing partner I could ever dream of. Um, and so it's really kind of a practice in receiving love and, um, and, and allowing it to land physiologically in your body. And so this is a fun thing to do. It, it, again, it, all this stuff may sound woo-woo and is, and, uh, you know, might take a little bit of practice and getting used to, but it, it really has an impact on the body and on, on our health. I mean, as you know, I've, I know you have podcasts that really connect the, the state of our emotional being to, um, to our, our physical health. And so this is something worth trying. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's interesting because many of us aren't as used to accepting compliments and accepting praise. I know I wasn't for a while. I, I still struggle with it to some degree. Like sometimes people will say something and I'll be like, oh, this whole thing, really? <laughs> Me, you know, but it's, and I think what you're saying is so important that it's accepting it in your mind, but also actually feeling it in your body, you know, and it's that like feeling it go through and see what happens in your body. You know, it's almost, you know, could be like a warmth that you feel or a tingling or, you know, there's some kind of a sensation. And then when you accept it sort of a whole body, you know, mind and body, it just has such a more positive effect then. Mm -hmm. You know, the form of therapy that I practice called AEDP um, that was started by Diana Fascia in New York uses or speaks about something called your effective receptive capacity. And part of what um, what therapists are working on with their clients in AADP is really expanding their capacity to be able to metabolize the good in their life, the positive in their life, and, and even to really connect with their own inner strengths and resources and um, beauty and goodness. And so, you know, anything that helps you expand your own perception, that, that positive feedback loop between you and another person is, is a growth, is, is healthy. Absolutely. Oh, another thing that you talk about is structure and the way that that can help not just your overall life, but actually help your relationship. And I don't know if most people think of it in that way. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, um, a lot of times we think about structure, sort of a structuring your day as something that we might put in place for children or toddlers or kids, you know, to help them manage their emotions or regulate their their anxiety or feel held and grounded. And I think it's so interesting that, you know, we as adults really need the same thing. And we often create a lot of structure and routine in our lives without explicitly calling it that. Um, and yet this this uncertain time that we're in where most of us aren't doing the things we normally do, we're not traveling, we're not going to work, we're not out and about, we're not attending events in person or at home, it, it's really kind of taken that structure for many of us away. And so it's, it's a time when having or creating a different kind of structure more consciously can 
provide us with a sense of grounding. So it's, it's really a way of soothing ourselves in our own nervous systems and um, creating a little bit of predictability in our lives when the future feels unpredictable or can seem to be unpredictable. I mean, of course, in fact, the future is always unpredictable, but this, uh, you know, we, we have an illusion of predictability about the future. And so now it's, it's just, I think it can be really helpful to explicitly sit down with your partner or your children or whoever's you know, in your home and think about like, what is our, what's, what's a structure that we can each have that will help us get through this time or even benefit from being together and how can those those routines and structures overlap? You know, will we meet at breakfast and lunch and dinner? Will we play a game? You know, will will we get enough time apart from each other? And how is that going to look? So I think that sketching out a personal schedule with your partner and other family members can really just again create that container, that grounding to help you feel held when when right now many of us are kind of a little bit lost. Yeah. And I think with structure, so many of us, like you said, do it for ourselves. We make our own schedule and we put stuff in our own planner. But yeah, the trick is to do it together and then see, okay, where do we have an hour where we're both free or half hour or even 15 minutes, you know, or meals we can have together because then that's going to, you know, be very joining for the couple and, and the whole family. You know, I did this with my husband and son the other day because my son was sharing with me. He said, you know, I'm, feeling frustrated because when I went to school and I went to, you know, my different sporting events, I got to miss you guys. And now I don't miss you, you know? And <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and um and he was just saying like I feel like the walls are closing in on me. He's a 10-year-old, so it's pretty funny to hear oh. this coming from him. And so, you know, of course, first as a therapist, I just really listened and, you know, practiced some of my reflective listening with him and just took in how he was feeling, um, even though inside I was getting kind of anxious. And then, you know, we worked together like, okay, well, what would it be like if we all created a schedule, like a personal schedule, and we put it in one of those stand-up seat clear plastic kind of um uh, containers that we can just put on the dining room table. We can all see our schedules. And it was really interesting to see what we each focused on, you know, like, um, you know, my son just, he didn't even put breakfast, lunch, and dinner in there. You know, it was just all (laughs) about like making slime and like FaceTiming his friends from school and doing his, his paper planes creating his origami. And then for my husband, the focus was a lot on exercise you know, and then for me, I'm like meditation and yoga. And so it, it's funny to see um, the things that we each prioritize. And it really reflects what helps us soothe ourselves. Yeah. Well, and I have to say how evolved of him to be able to kind of feel those emotions and kind of understand what he was even feeling and then explain and describe that to you. That's pretty cool. A 10. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, um, it is pretty cool. I feel very uh, lucky that, that he's able to connect with what he's feeling because it helps me help him. Of course, of course. And it's so good, obviously, that you're able to listen to him and to be able to, like you said, do that reflective listening and kind of say back to him what he's saying. So he's really feeling heard 
and not feeling judged for what he's feeling or that it's wrong to not miss your parents, you know, because I think a lot of kids may feel that way. Like, oh, I don't miss them. Well, what's wrong with me? Is that bad? Are they going to be upset? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. That was a, that was a good mom son moment, you know, just for <laughs> any listeners out there who are like, what the hell? Like, believe me, there, there are plenty where he's like, would you just stop being a therapist, you know, <laughs> or, you know, where I am, um, I'm unable to do that. And I'm just, all up in his business trying to micromanage him. So definitely those are there as well. But no, I'm sharing one of my one of my good mom moments with you today. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. Um, <laughs> it's definitely great to hear. And thank you so much for sharing all of these um, tips and ideas because, you know, as much as we think that, oh yeah, we're just going to like hang out and connect, a lot of times that connecting ends up being like, we'll just sit together and watch TV and both zone out and, you know, yeah, you're together, but are you actually furthering your relationship in any way, right? Like, are you truly connecting? Are you truly kind of getting to know each other more? Yeah, I think it does take um, a conscious effort to not just slip into those default ways of coping where we either, you know, numb or check out or collapse in on ourselves. And and it, it is so worthwhile and valuable to try to use your partner and allow your partner to, to use you as a resource because we are resources for one another that, um, you know, if, if, if you can really make the space to drop in a little bit deeper and create enough safety to just, to just be or play or share, there's, there are t- tremendous benefits to that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this, Alicia. You're so welcome. Really enjoyed this conversation. I am you know, excited to get back to some of the things that we've sort of fallen off the wagon with doing like the appreciations and to try some of these other new things that you mentioned. So thank you so much. And I'm sure everyone listening is going to be excited to try some of these as well and really appreciate you being here. Mm, Well, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to connect with you and your audience. I hope you guys can give some of these a try so that you can deepen and grow your relationships while you have a bit more time. Know anyone that can benefit from this information? Please share this episode with them and be sure you subscribe to the podcast because the next topic or health mystery I uncover could be one you or someone you love is dealing with right now. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening and see you next week on Health Mystery Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.